Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ivan Abramovich, uh, and I am a sales operations analyst uh, at a company called Javari. Um, so we are a technology company uh, that focuses on emergency response, uh, communication, and so on. Um, so we work with um, everyone from the federal government to state and local governments, corporations, uh, cruise lines, airlines, and everything like that. Um, so my role uh, within the company uh, is I am the main um, CRM administrator, um, and I kind of wear different hats throughout the week. Um, my background is um, I, when I finished my uh, first uh, graduate degree, um, I transitioned over to a sales position, um, working for another um, SaaS company. Um, uh, within that, I within that role. Um, I had experience a little bit with uh, Salesforce, uh, which is one of the CRM tools, uh, and I really liked it. Um, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I decided to transition from a sales role to a more analytical based role. Um, and that's actually when I enrolled in a master's of business analytics at Quinnipiac University. Um, I'm still enrolled, so I'm still kind of working through the program. Um, and that program kind of uh, covers everything from data mining, data management, uh, data warehousing, and things like that. Uh, and then in December of last year, I transitioned over to Javari as one of their um, sales operations analysts. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, my primary role is a CRM uh, administrator. Um, I do some financial reporting, um, which is slowly starting to increase as my time um, here kind of approaches that one year mark. Um, I also do reporting on marketing activities, sales activities. Um, I am the main administrator for our um, CRM instance, uh, as well as our quoting system. So um, everything that um, when it comes to pricing uh, of our products, when it comes to uh, making the user experience for uh, sales reps a little bit easier. Um, I handle that as well as general, um, you know, CRM automation and, and things to just make the user experience uh, pretty smooth. Um, and then I also work with the broader marketing department on our um, customer satisfaction survey and analysis, uh, and that information gets presented up all the way to the board. Um, so I dip, uh, my work kind of dips into various different uh, buckets, um, but I'm really happy with it. Um, and one of the biggest, one of the bigger projects that I've taken on um, so far since March of this year is helping current clients um, transition over from a license uh, and on-premise model to a subscription SaaS model. Um, so that's been definitely a challenge and pushed me a little bit outside of my comfort zone, um, but it's been a really rewarding, uh, rewarding experience so far. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for the most part. Um, I'm originally from Sarajevo um, and I moved to the States when I was nine years old, almost 10. Um, so I've been here for quite a bit. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So uh, um, analyst is very common job. 
like you you see ads all the time everywhere and you seem like a really good person maybe to explain since the purpose of these talks is to give insight into various career paths and hopefully mm -hmm. help the youth make informed decision so what would you say in general an analyst's job entails um it it really can be a lot so one thing that i always thought of was it's a lot of work in excel it's a lot of work with um, working in spreadsheets figuring out um, you know dollar values or you know crunching numbers and things like that um, my experience with it is it, it can really be anything that you make it so one thing that i found very helpful and, and this is a little bit um, well wh when i was attending when i was attending school um, there was often this push for you know don't google things you have to learn learn them on their own um in my position and i think in my experience speaking with other analysts um googling is very encouraged um so one thing uh that i've done that really helped uh was just looking at some of the online resources that are just available to everyone um there there are existing certifications for different kind kinds of systems so if that's a database administrator if there is a um, salesforce administrator or anything like that but just going through some of that free online coursework for you know whatever you want to focus on is really really helpful um, and then something from like a professional development perspective has been um, having something like an online portfolio um, that's something that I that I did that I that really um, is helpful to, to point to um, and this can just be you know you're looking at um, dummy data and dummy statistics but then playing around with it and creating analysis that way um, I feel like that kind of stuff really sets individuals apart um, just because they're putting in that extra effort um, there is a ton of other resources i know i've i've followed a couple of like youtube series series um on creating an online portfolio what all of that entails and just kind of use that as a guiding principle and then once you start the work you'll start to ask different questions and um ask of you know what would happen if i looked at it from this lens and you can actually apply that within the portfolio um and then draw conclusions um so I think that that's something that is is really really helpful, um, especially for individuals that are wanting to get into this field. Um, but overall, analyst and like business analyst, it's a it's a very broad topic. But um, that's kind of how um, I've approached I've approached it so far. Oh, that was wonderful advice. Yes, definitely googling. <laughs> Yes, that is actually learning. Yeah. I, I really don't understand why would anybody say don't Google it. How, yeah. how are you going to learn and you're learning when you're Googling? Online portfolio, that's excellent advice. You made good point, dummy data. Uh, often people say, well, I just cannot share my project. I cannot make mm -hmm. it public. But then, yeah, you put that extra effort and you, you show your expertise with dummy data. And yeah. uh, I want to ask you about Excel. So Excel, mm -hmm. you know, even little kids use Excel for for simple things, but still, uh, I, I, I'm not in financial world. But I heard even like the 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 most amazing companies uh, they they still use Excel. Learning Excel is definitely worthwhile time. One hundred percent. And I think mm -hmm. I've actually read somewhere. I don't I, I don't know the source, so don't quote me one hundred percent. But I've read somewhere that no matter what system 
you know people can create there's they're always going to go back to excel for some of the um the more more intricate things so one of the things is put it like one of the things that i've done in the past maybe six months is creating different dashboards for different individuals so when they log into our crm system they're going to be presented with certain information and i'm currently working on a project where someone that has access to that to that dashboard is requesting that i recreate something but in excel just because it's clear to see yeah, like he can check the math, he can double check the math, he can double check that I'm looking at the right things. Um, and even though it's nice to have everything automated, um, I definitely think that getting used to those um, functions um, and getting used to everything Excel can do is really powerful. Um, so I I fully endorse it. I There was a, definitely a period of time where I hated it and I kind of needed to just spend time with it. Um, and yeah, I, I think it kind of goes um, along with in the uh, what I said previously about the portfolio. Um, there is, and just to add on to that, there is a couple of uh, websites out there that provide you dummy data that you can work with. So one thing that I saw was um, pharma, pharmaceutical sales in Belgrade from 2000 to 2005. And then I can I can go in there and I can track what percentage of sales came on a Sunday versus what percentage of sales came on a Wednesday and then factor in time as well. And then the conclusion that you obviously draw is that most people pick up their medicine on their way to work on a Thursday. Um, so it's being able to take a couple of hundred or thousand rows of data in Excel and kind of narrow it down to come to a conclusion. Um, and for me personally, the reason that um, I still really like doing what I do is the problem solving aspect. Um, I think being able to ask the question and then figure out the answer. Um, mo most of the time it's in Excel um, and then b learn how to present that information um, either upwards or um, you know to another department um, within an organization is, is just is extremely powerful. Uh, you mentioned software as a service. Is there anything you can share? How would uh, how would one approach that? Because I know lots of young people they build project on side. I think the number one the number one thing is like building that relationship. Um, that's primary. Uh, so previously in the in the sales position that I worked at, we were working with uh, graduate programs. Um, so we were essentially selling graduate degrees. Um, as I worked for a company that provided um, that graduate degree through their technology. Um, so I, I worked with professionals who were looking at master's and doctorate degrees um, in certain programs um, and building that relationship and building that rapport uh, with that individual is probably going to be um, the best bet. Um, and then after that, it's just really listening um, to what they're looking for and what they need and then trying to figure out how that service that you're providing how that fits within what they're needing um i think and i, I honestly think that being genuine um is definitely a strength um and yeah i would say those two building the relationships and, and approaching it from a um a genuine mindset is really really helpful um i actually work with um 
there's a sales rep that I interact with in my current company. Um, and the way that she defines it is, is very great. Um, she basically says that she is there to help this organization um, and their mission and um, try to add to that as much as possible through the services that we provide. Um, so I would say that those kind of three things are what I would keep in mind. Uh, so you studied global affairs. Can you tell us about about that program? Is that mostly political science? Yeah. So um, I I first started out um, in my undergraduate career, um, kind of wanting to go into international politics. Um, I uh, really was interested in, in in doing a lot with the former Yugoslav region in terms of international politics. Um, I think there was definitely a point where um, it, to be 100% um, candid and, and honest, uh, I kind of got worn out with everything um, that was happening. Uh, and I think that's what caused me to uh, make the transition. Um, one thing about the Global Affairs Program and then the Conflict Resolution Program is um, it really did set me up for to have some of the soft skills uh, within my current industry. So something that I often run into when I'm speaking with other analysts or um, kind of going down a random rabbit hole on a, on a Salesforce forum for a problem that I'm trying to solve um, is that, you know, while, you know, there are brilliant minds out there, um, sometimes they're lacking some of those soft skills. Um, and I really felt like going into this business analytics program with the background of the Global Affairs and Conflict Analysis Resolution Program that kind of was a nice combination to to pair those soft skills with a um, more of the analytical and data driven skills um, that I work with um, on a day to day basis now. Um, but it's mostly um, to answer the the original question. The global affairs program is um, it looks at more than just um, kind of traditional political science. It also goes a lot into economics, um, specifically economics of um, uh, developing countries. Uh, it goes into the specific conflict resolution field, um, but also touches some of some of those um, traditional uh, political science ideas. Um, so conflict analysis and resolution, you did that as well. Was that more on bigger scale in context of global affairs? Or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so the topic is really what you can what you want to make it um so my lens was looking at it from a from a larger worldview and specifically the role that conflict resolution plays in um typically like post-war environments but um i definitely have classmates or had classmates that were using kind of um conflict resolution principles and things like human resources. Um, and they're able to work at a larger corporation and um, work in a human resources role, uh, which is really helpful. Uh, but I also had, you know, uh, classmates that were interested more in uh, court mediation. Uh, so a lot of them work for lawyers offices and uh, mediators for a court and things like that. So it is very broad. Um, it's not a cohort based uh, graduate degree, so I wasn't really going through the program uh, with the same set of students. Um, so, you know, my class sizes were anywhere from five to about 25, uh, where you can really pick and choose uh, what you wanted to focus on during your two years there. 
think what you said, soft skills, that that's uh, that's really uh, golden. Data analysis, business analysis, it's both art and, and science. Really. And, you know, you get technical part, but whenever you work with people, you need soft skills and yeah. you work with people. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm especially interested in your expertise in conflict and analysis resolution in professional setting. Mm -hmm. So let's first talk about functional conflict when team members have different views, how problems should be solved. How do you approach mm -hmm. these situations? Problem is we um, all have pride, insecurity yeah. and ambition. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, always, I also think that it's sometimes like tough for individuals to admit that they're wrong. Um, and I think just recognizing that is is uh, really powerful. Uh, something that I've uh, I've learned about within my current role is that some of the higher level executives have uh, what they call a readme. So essentially it's presented to somebody when they're first onboarding um, and their supervisor is able to write this read me out that um, indicates kind of all of those quirks that they might have and how they deal with conflict and um, things like that. I find that extremely powerful. I've, I haven't been in, or, in an organization that does that previously. Uh, so being really open and honest about it and knowing um, knowing when to admit that you're that you might be in the wrong, but at the same time, knowing that you can knowing that it's like a safe environment for you to say, I'm going to take a step back because of X, Y and Z and being able to communicate that. I feel like it's uh, extremely powerful. Um, and. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that kind of that transparency um, is uh, is definitely going to be at the top of the list for that. Right. So any tips, how can we build emotional intelligence to take on constructive feedback? How oh, can we... that's a yeah. that's a heavy question. <laughs> um, I would definitely say that. If you can, or if it's if it's within kind of your bandwidth, uh, putting yourself in kind of uncomfortable situations uh, is definitely beneficial um, and hearing some of that negative feedback, especially from individuals that are um, that have the best intention to help you improve and sitting through that and and learning from some of those mistakes is extremely important. Um, the feedback that I've recently gotten is that when sometimes when things were to go wrong, I tend to take like I used to take them personally um, and I've had to learn to just accept the fact that, hey, I made a mistake. Now I know what not to do next time, um, but that definitely takes time and definitely takes patience. Um, I think my age group and, and something that I've um, kind of seen is that with kind of the millennial uh, generation um, is that we sometimes take work a little too seriously, answering emails and always being online, especially if you're working uh, from home like I am, where you're always kind of close to your computer and you can always answer that email. Um, and it definitely takes time to let things go um, and, and to be okay with that. Um, I also 100% endorse people going on vacations for a week. It's completely fine. Like that email is still going to be there when you come back. Um, so I definitely think that it takes time and patience um, and uh, like getting to that balance um, 
I know I mentioned time and patience, but it also takes work um, and knowing when to take a step back, knowing when to step away a little bit uh, is really helpful uh, in those cases too. Right. I think it's great you mentioned not taking things personally. Yeah. It, it takes work. You're right. Like it takes patience and time, but actually conscious effort to separate your idea how to solve problem. <laughs> yeah. From your entire personality. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so how can we deliver feedback in the po best possible way? I think what you mentioned, read me file and really knowing people. Mm -hmm. It helps us communicate in the best possible way, but some some general tips maybe that you learned in school or through your experience. How yeah, I think that knowing how to give, like knowing to find the good feedback is very helpful. Um, obviously, we all want to receive that good feedback and we, we all want to be told that we're doing a good job, um, but learning how to, instead of just saying you're wrong, um, I would approach it as more of like um, kind of a teaching moment and kind of a um, offer up that assistance that especially if you are the subject matter expert in whatever you're doing and you know somebody that you're working with does it incorrectly knowing when to sit that down and and instead of there's a couple of options that you can take one of them being I'm just going to do everything and I know I'm going to do it because I'm doing it and I know my way is the right way and we're just going to do it this way. Um, but I guess another approach is offering up assistance, offering up help um, and using it as much of a coaching moment as you can. Um, sometimes that's really tough, especially if um, if there's like an age difference. That's something that I've really had to struggle with where individuals that are um, within this kind of the, the same level as I am are, are older. So learning how to navigate that um, can be very tricky at times, uh, but just really staying patient and um, what's really helpful and what's really beneficial um, is explaining the why to individuals. And what I mean by that is, you know, why are we looking at this the way that we want to look at it? Um, and why are we making the decision to solve this problem? Um, I, I think something that my current supervisor, who I, I, I consider a, a, a mentor, um, sometimes when I come up with crazy ideas of everything that we can do with the information we have, he kind of steps back and says, okay, like I understand the excitement, I, I understand the enthusiasm, but what business problem are we trying to have or trying to solve? And what are you trying to solve with this idea? Um, and that kind of feedback is is very helpful in learning how to communicate why we want to do something and then kind of taking that with the feedback of, okay, well, let's look at it from a different lens and kind of having those coaching moments, I feel like is extremely powerful. Um, I think it goes back to what I previously said about being genuine. Um, if I recognize that somebody is genuinely trying to get me to develop, I'm going to sit through those sometimes uncomfortable conversations where I'm going to be told that what I did was wrong, but I know that their intent is to have me improve and to have me develop because, you know, if it's they see something in me or um, it's not always we just have to get this done. So like, let's just do it. Uh, recognizing um, those individuals being genuine and wanting to help is um, is really great, too.
you know, explaining your reasoning rather than, you know, I think it's a great idea or I say so, which is yeah. the first one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, why? The business case, the business case behind it. So this functional conflict is part of life and it will happen sooner or later. Uh, what are your go-to strategies to deal with conflict when it arises? Uh, my initial step um, is to step away um, most of the time. Um, I I consider it a true blessing being able to work from home. I think it's 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 a really great perk. Um, if that's going outside on a walk, or if that is leaving my um, and like leaving my phone, leaving all kind of communication devices uh, here, that's fine. Um, and then coming back to it, um, I've in, since kind of um, since the start of the pandemic um, in, I forget the year, 2020, um, something that's been really helpful for me is uh, I go on runs every morning um, and that's when I kind of, it, it's my time where ideas start to flow, which is really great, um, but it's also a time for me to decompress from something that might have happened yesterday. So even if I get frustrated on a Tuesday, you know, by the time that uh, Wednesday morning rolls around and I'm running, I'm already thinking about like, okay, maybe I was silly to be frustrated. Uh, most of the times it's, it's very, they're very, very silly things that I get frustrated about. Um, but recognizing that and, and learning how to step away is really great. Um, I think previously when I've tried to just push through it, um, I've seen my productivity and the quality of work that I'm putting out not be as what I expect of myself. Um, so so knowing when to step away or something that um, if if somebody's listening that is kind of going into the corporate world and um, like there's going to be other individuals that are going through the same challenges. Um, they just might not know. Um, so developing kind of those relationships where you can talk about nothing for for 15 to 20 minutes, I definitely think is helpful. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're, uh, it's a great way to kind of decompress. Um, and another kind of lesson is the problem that you're having. What's like really great is that there's probably someone out there that's going through something similar. Um, and I think finding those communities uh, is really helpful where you can kind of work through different problems, even if it's, uh, especially if it's something professional or kind of specifically to a task, um, task oriented. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's taken a really long time, uh, but being able to step away is definitely my, my go-to. So how to best deal with difficult personalities? Like, they are out there. Yeah, um, I think there there is going to be times where you kind of have to offer that feedback, um, and I think it's extremely important to have those difficult conversations with that individual sometimes. Um, and as always, you want to approach it from, you know, I'm trying to offer this feedback to you so it can help both of us. Um, and not just getting things off my chest and not just you're terrible, this is why. Um, I think it's extremely helpful to to come into that space um, from a very genuine point of view um, and understand that 
um, you're there to help, you know, if it's your team, if it's your relationship with a supervisor, if it's something like that. Um, I definitely think that most often they will appreciate that feedback. Um, and they'll appreciate being told that, excuse me, something that they've said, something that they've done, um, kind of caused some kind of reaction. Um, at least in, in, in my kind of time as a young professional, that's something that I've experienced. And I don't know if that's just luck by who I've been supervised by, but uh, that's definitely a trend that I've seen that individuals are very open to that difficult conversation. Um, and 95% of the time they also want to improve. Um, but sometimes they they won't know that there is an issue unless somebody tells them. So being proactive and, and stepping up and um, kind of being comfortable with those uncomfortable situations uh, is is really beneficial, both on a personal and a professional level. So how about this situation? If you need a team member to do something which they don't want to do? Um, I think there definitely has to be some 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 level of accountability. Um, so if that is um, if that is between two individuals that are within the same um, kind of at the same level, um, then there needs to be some kind of accountability for who's responsible for what. Um, if there is a clear, you know, I don't want to do this from another person. Um, I think it's uh, very beneficial to you know, sit down and speak with them uh, and to kind of walk through it. Um, you never know like what somebody might be going through, number one. Uh, but number two, at least in my experience, you never know what somebody's comfort level is with the system or um, something along those lines. So sitting down and, and putting in that additional time and effort with them to um, assist, to kind of walk through it, um, offer a helping hand, uh, I would say is definitely key. Um, but also if you need to bring in like a supervisor to to be there to kind of work through some of those dynamics, um, I would definitely say that's that's um, justified um, as well. And how about when uh, an issue is about knowledge gap that somebody is supposed to know something for position they in, but they don't and you don't want to be tattletale and tell yeah. <laughs> their manager. <laughs> yeah, I I actually I, I have been through this um, in the last 10 months um, or actually 11 months um, a couple of times. Um, I honestly the way that I've dealt with it is I brought it up to, to my supervisor um, and kind of try to see if there is any if there are any expectations that are already in place. Um, but at the same time, like offer some especially if if you're the individual that's experiencing this with somebody else and you know what to do and they don't um doing things like hey i want to work on this but do you want to shadow me or something and kind of approaching it from a more casual perspective um so that that way you know if it comes time again to do something similar you can say oh hey it's just what we did on video a couple of weeks ago you know, I know you can do it. Um, sometimes the extra words of encouragement um, are beneficial to some, not all individuals like that. Um, but that's definitely something that I would recommend. 
I mean, I would say that if there is any kind of assistance that I can provide besides this 35 minute chat, um, feel free to, to reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn or um, I, I believe there, my email is with you. Um, I'm more open to than anything to kind of help uh, in any way that I can, um, even if, it, if it's not specific analyst advice or if it's broader career advice or um, you know, choosing a, a graduate school or something like that. Um, I'm more than um, open to to kind of assist with that uh, in any way that I can. Um, and I definitely think if if you're thinking about going down this career path, I definitely recommend it. I think it has some great perks, um, and I think it it definitely is. Uh, it's it's always going to be around, which is pretty fantastic. <laughs>